Thanks for joining us for the special Mid-East Prophecy Edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. shares the Mid-East Prophecy Update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with the last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. We often don't speak up about things we believe because we don't want to be made fun of or written off. Today, though, Pastor J.D. reminds us of a story where a man spoke up against 400 other contradictory accounts. That takes a lot of guts. As believers, we should be speaking up a lot more, regardless of the repercussions. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update at jdfarag.org. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on October 30th, 2022. I want to talk about the well-known parable, The Emperor Has No Clothes, a.k.a. The Emperor's New Clothes. And what I want to do is talk specifically about how this well-known parable applies to Bible prophecy. And by that I mean, I'm hoping to connect the moral of the story, as it were, with what's happening prophetically in the world today. So what we'll do is start with an abbreviated and edited version of the original by Danish author Hans Christian Andersen. It was actually published in April of 1837. Many years ago, there was an emperor so exceedingly fond of new clothes. Every day strangers came to town, and among them one day came two swindlers. They let it be known they were weavers, and they said they could weave the most magnificent fabrics imaginable. Not only were their colors and patterns uncommonly fine, but clothes made of this cloth had a wonderful way of becoming invisible to anyone who was unfit for his office, or who was unusually stupid. Those would be just the clothes for me, thought the emperor. If I wore them, I would be able to discover which men in my empire are unfit for their posts. And I could tell the wise men from the fools. He paid the two swindlers a large sum of money to start work at once. They set up two looms and pretended to weave, though there was nothing on the looms. <laughs> I'd like to know how those weavers are getting on with the cloth, the emperor thought, but he felt slightly uncomfortable when he remembered that those who were unfit for their position would not be able to see the fabric. 
It couldn't have been that he doubted himself, yet he thought he'd rather send someone else to see how things were going. The whole town knew about the cloth's peculiar power, and all were impatient to find out how stupid their neighbors were. (laughs) I'll send my honest old pastor to the weavers, the emperor decided. So the honest old pastor went to the room where the two swindlers sat working away at their empty looms. Heaven help me, he thought, as his eyes flew wide open. I can't see anything at all. But he did not say so. Both the swindlers begged him to be so kind as to come near to approve the excellent pattern and the beautiful colors. They pointed to the empty looms, and the poor old pastor stared as hard as he dared. He couldn't see anything because there was nothing to see. Heaven have mercy, he thought. Can it be that I'm a fool? I'd have never guessed it, and not a soul must know. Am I unfit to be the pastor? It would never do to let on that I can't see the cloth. Don't hesitate to tell us what you think of it, said one of the weavers. Oh, it's beautiful. It's enchanting. The old pastor peered through his spectacles. I'll be sure to tell the emperor how delighted I am with it. And so he did. The emperor sent another trustworthy official to see how the work progressed and how soon it would be ready. The same thing happened to him that happened to the pastor. He looked and he looked, but as there was nothing to see in the looms, he couldn't see anything. I know I'm not stupid, the man thought, so it must be that I'm unworthy of my good office. That's strange. I mustn't let anyone find it out, though. So he praised the material he did not see. To the emperor, he said, it held me spellbound. All the town was talking of this splendid cloth and the emperor wanted to see it for himself while it was still in the looms. Attended by a band of chosen men, among whom were his two old trusted officials, he sent out to see the two swindlers. He found them weaving with might and main, but without a thread in their looms. Magnificent, said the two officials already duped. Just look, your majesty, what colors, what a design. They pointed to the empty looms, each supposing that the others could see the stuff. What's this? thought the emperor. I can't see anything. This is terrible. Am I a fool? Am I unfit to be the emperor? What a thing to happen to me of all people. Oh, It's very pretty, he said. It has my highest approval. Nothing could make him say that he couldn't see anything. One saw no more than the other, but they all joined the emperor in exclaiming, Oh, 
It's very pretty. And they advised him to wear clothes made from this wonderful cloth for the great procession he was soon to lead. Then the emperor himself came with his noblest noblemen, and the swindlers each raised an arm as if they were holding something, then said, these are the trousers, here's the coat, and this is the mantle, naming each garment. All of them are as light as a spider web. One would almost think he had nothing on, but that's what makes them so fine. Exactly, all the noblemen agreed, though they could see nothing, for there was nothing to see. The emperor undressed, I know, TMI, and the swindlers pretended to put his new clothes on him, one garment after another. How well your majesty's new clothes look, aren't they becoming? He heard on all sides. Then the minister of public processions announced, Your Majesty's canopy is waiting outside. Well, I'm supposed to be ready, the emperor said, and turned again for one last look in the mirror. It's a remarkable fit, isn't it? The noblemen who were to carry his train stooped low and reached for the floor as if they were picking up his mantle. Then they pretended to lift and hold it high. They didn't dare admit that they had nothing to hold. So off went the emperor in procession under his splendid canopy. Everyone in the streets and the windows said, Oh, how fine are the emperor's new clothes. Don't they fit him to perfection and see his long train? Nobody would confess that he couldn't see anything for that would prove him either unfit for his position or a fool. But he hasn't got anything on, a little child said. <laughs> Out of the mouths of babes. And one person whispered to another what the child had said. He hasn't anything on. A child says he hasn't anything on, but he's hasn't got anything on. The whole town cried at last. The emperor shivered, for he suspected they were right. But he thought, this procession has to go on. So he walked more proudly than ever, as his noblemen held high the train that wasn't there at all. There are actually many morals to this. <laughs> Wait, don't, let me get there first, okay? There are many lessons to learn, many morals to this famous story, chief of which is that no one dares to speak the truth lest they be seen as stupid. Worse yet, they can see right through the deception, pun intended by the way, but fear people will think they're a crazy conspiracy theory nutcase, so they remain silent. This because of the pressure from and the power of the masses perceived narrative, leading one who actually sees the truth to think, well, it must just be me. 
of this parable one so aptly said, the expression has since turned into an idiomatic phrase said when the veil falls off of a deceptive illusion. However, the perpetrators of any deception will do everything and stop at nothing to keep the lie alive. Why? Oh, they want to keep the masses deceived under their magic spell. Other reasons for not speaking the truth is the man-pleasing fear of man, which the Bible says is a trap. Why is it a trap? Because when you live to please man or in the fear of man, you're trapped in the fear of losing finances or losing followers. Another possible reason for one not speaking the truth and standing alone is because they're being blackmailed or threatened. However, oftentimes, being blackmailed results from this same man-pleasing fear of man by putting oneself in a compromising position to be blackmailed in the first place. There's one other reason that one would be unwilling to go against the crowd despite its man-pleasing pressure to go along, to get along. What I'm speaking of are the false prophets who themselves are deceived, and as such deceive. Those who are deceived, deceive. And they deceive vis-a-vis a lying spirit in their mouths. And such was the case in the fascinating account of a prophet nobody's really heard about or talks much about, his name, Micaiah. He stood alone against 400 of these lying false prophets. And we have the account in Second Chronicles. This one prophet, like the one child, was the only one who dared to go against the narrative and say, the emperor has no clothes. The emperor in this case was the evil king Ahab. Ahab had 400 of these highly paid false prophets, all of which told him only what he wanted to hear. Oh, splendid, magnificent. And in this account, there is this very specific record of how they would tell him that the exquisite and magnificent victory was his as emperor and king under the banner of this lying spirit in their mouths. Kindly allow me to begin reading in verse 3 of Second Chronicles 18. Let me real quick set the stage so you have the context and the backstory. Evil King Ahab of Israel. Understand at this time it's the kingdom is divided into two. You have the northern tribes of Israel, King Ahab. You have southern Judah, King Jehoshaphat. Ahab, evil king. Jehoshaphat, good king. One of only nine, by the way. 
And Ahab is so evil, he's going to deceive Jehoshaphat and get him to go to battle with him and disguise him as Ahab so that he gets killed instead of Ahab. And so he has Jehoshaphat come and he asks him, verse 3, So Ahab king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat king of Judah, Will you go with me against Ramoth Gilead? And he answered him, I am as you are, and my people as your people. We will be with you in the war. You have to understand that Jehoshaphat, his first mistake was allowing his son to marry the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel. Big boo-boo. Also verse 4, now this is Jehoshaphat, said to the king of Israel, please inquire for the word of the Lord today. Really Jehoshaphat? You make the decision, then pray. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, 400 men. Stop right there. I just want to put it into perspective. So this sanctuary, beautiful sanctuary that God in His grace has given us, seats about 300 people. So let's add 100 chairs and let's fill every single one with one of these lying false prophets, 400 of them. And you've got King Jehoshaphat and King Ahab up here. They're clothed, sorry. And you have all of these prophets now that are going to come before the kings and prophesy to them. Well, actually 401, excuse me. We'll, we'll get to the one. So, This is Ahab now. He says to them, 400 prophets, shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead, or shall I refrain? So they said, go up, for God will deliver it into the king's hand. But Jehoshaphat said, nah, nah, is in the original, but that's the way, come on. Is there not still a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of him? Verse 7, so the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, (laughs) I love this so much, there is still one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him because he never prophesies good concerning me, but always evil. Well, Ahab, that's because you're evil. He is Micaiah, son of Imlah. And Jehoshaphat said, let not the king say such things. Then the king of Israel called one of his officers and said, bring Micaiah, the son of Imlah, quickly. You have to understand that he's in prison. Why? Because Ahab sent him to prison. Why? Because he had already spoken the truth to Ahab about the doom and gloom of a disastrous end. I point that out because it is textbook. You don't like the message? Silence the messenger. Well, be that as it may, the prison guards go to his cell and tell him, hey, Micaiah, you're going to get another chance, but you have to go along to get along. Say what the others are saying, and please the king, the emperor. Tell him his clothes are just magnificent, even though 
he doesn't have any on. He's to say what the 400 prophets were saying, which is that instead of it being disastrous, it will be victorious. Well, Micaiah, to his credit, tells them he cannot go against the Word of God. But they take him anyway to prophesy to King Ahab and King Jehoshaphat. Now, the prophets that went before him were very dramatic and demonstrative, and they use props, and they bring out the horns, and declare that they'll be victorious in destroying the enemy. Now it's Micaiah's turn. He knows he's already hated and despised, and he also knows they won't listen to the truth anyway. So he makes a decision to respond with what I like to call a sanctified sarcasm. Verse 14, And he came to the king, and the king, speaking of Ahab, said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead, or shall I refrain? And he said, eh, go ahead. That's in the original too. Yeah, go and prosper, and they shall be delivered into your hand. Uh, What's being served for lunch? Or is there lunch today? So the king said to him, verse 15, this is very interesting, how many times shall I make you swear that you tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? Oh, Oh, this isn't your first rodeo, it seems. Oh, this has happened before. Apparently, several times. How many times have I told you, Micaiah? Stop doing that. You speak the truth to me. Now, it's probably not a surprise that he knows Micaiah is being sarcastic, but here's what is a little bit of a surprise. He knows that Micaiah will speak the truth in the name of the Lord. So, (laughs) verse 17, it's verses like this that remind me that God has a great sense of humor. Of course, I'm reminded of that every time I look in the mirror, but particularly verses like this, because This is Ahab now, the king of Israel, said to Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell you who had not prophesied anything good concerning me but evil? Told you so. That's why I didn't want to bring him in here to begin with. Then Micaiah said, verse 18, You want the truth? (laughs) I'm not going to take that any further. You already did. I don't have to. Here's the truth. Therefore hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on His throne, and all the hosts of heaven standing on His right hand and His left. And the Lord said, Who will persuade Ahab king of Israel to go up, that he may fall at Ramoth-Gilead? So one spoke in this manner, and another spoke in that manner. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. The Lord said to him, in what way? So he said, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. The end of the world is going to happen. 
and it might be closer than we think. There's much happening in the world around us that ties into the predictions made in the Bible. With the number of events occurring, though, it can be difficult to keep up with it all. Pastor J.D. Farag has taken it upon himself to help us out with that. Each week, Pastor J.D. takes an in-depth look at what Scripture has to say about the end times and then pairs them with the current events of the week. These Mideast Prophecy Updates are available for free to you through our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. You'll find them as well on our YouTube channel, and we update them each week to give you the latest information. These messages are useful to us to be able to keep Jesus' ultimate kingdom goal at the front of our minds. Jesus came to earth to offer love and forgiveness to each person. He completed his mission when he died on the cross for our sins and then defeated death by rising again. Jesus has charged each one of us who confess to follow him with a simple task. Go into the world and share the good news of his life. As the end draws even closer, we need to adopt a sense of urgency in getting the word out. We hope you will use these Mideast Bible prophecy updates to draw closer to Jesus, allowing him to speak through you to the world around you. Once again, you'll find these prophecy updates by visiting inspiritandtruthradio.com and clicking the link to our YouTube channel. Join us again for truth from God's word right here on In Spirit and Truth.